everyone, welcome back to another episode of... Explain it slowly. Okay. So, um, what do you know about pot ash? <laughs> so... It's so uh, random. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, there are many ways you could have asked that question. Okay, how should I have asked that question? Uh, why is there ash in cat food? Why is there ash in cat food? Okay, let's start with what pot ash is. Uh, so... If, if you've ever owned a barbecue or played with a barbecue before, uh-huh. you'll notice it collects a lot of ash. Right. And the ash is typically seen on the, the actual charcoal. charcoal. It's all that white and gray stuff that's left over um, that could not be like burned, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that first so that way we have a good understanding of it. Um, now, when you burn something, you're burning organic material, and I mean that from not the not the food industry's use of the word organic, but from a chemistry point of view. So any organic compound is one that's full of carbon atoms mm-hmm. and hydrogen atoms, um, and they form these chain links, and this is a good fuel. This is why when you put uh, gasoline in your car, that's an organic compound that you're putting. It comes from oil, which comes from dead forests a long long time ago um and it burns very efficiently you add oxygen to it the oxygen will attack one of the carbons and release a bit of energy and then the next oxygen will come around attack one of the carbons release energy and so on and so forth so uh when you're burning fuel you're burning through all these organic compounds but what's left are all the inorganic compounds all the metals all the minerals basically um but I thought charcoal is just compressed carbon. So, so how do you get other minerals out from there? Yeah, so that depends on the purity of the charcoal. If it is pure compressed carbon, then you have no ash oh, and therefore okay. no smoke. Oh. So the smoke is also the ash that is vaporizing in the process. Uh-huh. It's actually solids in the air. That's why you can see it, uh-huh. right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see it. Uh, the fire itself, the flame, that's plasma. That's hot ions. That's... All the pieces that are combining to release energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual smoke that you see, that is solids that are just very light, that are floating in the air. Uh, and that's why you cough and they sting and stuff like that, because they're actual Allergies. stuff. Exactly. Um, so all these inorganic compounds, they are get left behind as ash. They are something that you cannot burn with the temperatures that you're basically using in a fire. Of course, you can find a temperature that will melt and burn them, but that, like that is not typically found within uh, most cases. Uh, so you're left behind with all this. And if you take all this ash and you put it in a pot and you mix some water in it and you cook that, you end up with something called pot ash. And pot ash is the etymological root word for potassium. Potassium. Um, and potassium is that um, uh, element, K, uh, that is used famously as a um, as a uh, fertilizer for plants. Like it's what enabled us to start using fertilizers industrially. Does that make sense? But the ash doesn't just have potassium, right? So by calling potassium potash or well, potash potassium, it's a little bit misleading, right? Because the ash don't just have potassium. There's other minerals in there. Yeah, so think about what was the first kind of fuel to be burned. It was likely wood, right? Trees. Mm-hmm. Trees are a good concentration of potassium. And if you burn away everything else, the likely minerals that you'll end up with is potassium. Mm-hmm. 
and hence that's what makes fertilizer for new plants. It's basically what made a plant is great minerals to make another plant. And most of that ends up being potassium, just from like what's in the ground and uh, earth. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what potash is. And that's how we get fertilizer. Uh, and it turns out this ash, this term ash, uh, directly describes minerals. So if you see that like cat food has an ingredient in it and it says ash, it's not actually talking about ash that's left over from burning something. It's talking about the group of minerals that you would naturally end up with if you were to burn something. Um, and that is collectively known as ash. So it's not like they're sprinkling in some ash from a leftover barbecue. They're actually sprinkling in the pure minerals, uh, but collectively all those inorganic compounds are called ash. Mm. So they're not vitamins. They're not complex like compounds. They're uh, just salts, basically. Yeah. Uh, and when I talk about salts, I'm talking about ionic compounds, not NaCl, but KCl and so on and so forth. Um, and you have a whole bunch of these. Uh, and our bodies are able to process them at small quantities to build up all our amino acids and th stuff like that. That's basically where we need all these other elements for, is to build up these proteins. Fats are just carbons and hydrogens. Sugars, carbons and hydrogens and oxygens. Like, not very complex. But proteins are full of uh, these different elements that make these all sorts of different shapes, and you need a bunch of minerals to be able to pull that off. And that comes from the ash. And that comes from the ash. So then it's not bad to have ash in cat food. No, or, in fact... Or even in human food, right? Exactly. We need all that, right? Yeah. The only thing is in human food, we tend not to call it ash most of the times. Yeah, uh, we sometimes break it, it down to its... We break it down element. into, oh, we added potassium to this. We added this to this. We added that to this. But collectively, that would just be called ash, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Okay. So it's it's a bit of a, a scare tactic that I don't know who started um calling like or pointing out that the ash that is one of the ingredients in cat food could potentially be the same ash that you get left over from a barbecue mm -hmm. um it's it's kind of disingenuous in a way but we ended up here and that's where we are uh and yeah uh, there's they're not putting ash in your cat food to, as like a filler of any sort that's actually important uh compounds that are beneficial to your pet, in a way. So then, if that's the case, when a, when a person dies and they go, get, they're being cremated, that mm -hmm. becomes ash, right? Yep. So essentially, the ash that comes from there could be used as like minerals or fertilizer for other grow things to grow, right? Exactly. That's exactly what the the cycle of life is all about. Uh, as you reuse all of these building blocks as much as possible because they're a lot easier to use than uh, like taking a stone and turning it into powder and using that as minerals. That makes sense? Okay. Cool. So yeah. It's a bit of a quick one, uh, but I guess we can use this as a follow-up. Yeah, we have a, a Kitan update. Yay. Slash a, a minor sesame update. <laughs> or a minor sesame something. Yeah, so as a as a quick uh, uh, recap, our, we have two cats, Kitan and Sesame. They are both sisters, and uh, they just turned three the other day. Yeah. Uh, so they're little youngins. Uh, but one of them has developed some uh, urinary, ut urinary, urinary tract, tract disease, disease baloney. 
Uh, and they, it's not baloney, it's real. <laughs> it's real. Um, and they have been uh, peeing all over our house. Uh, not out of like marking territory, but out of pain and anguish. It's yeah, um, physical. Physical. Uh, so I think that's where we left off. Right. More so, or less. We were trying different things. Yeah. So we tried different things. We went to our vets many times. They couldn't figure it out. And then we were uh, referred to a specialist. And so we took Keith then to the specialist. And we told them what we have tried, what the situation was, and what we've tried, and what didn't work, what actually worked. And the conclusion came back to be something called FLUTD which stands for feline lower urinary tract disease. And this is a term you catch all. <laughs> yeah, used to describe like this thing that cats have with their bladder situation where they're having trouble urinating or sometimes to the point where like they don't at all and they kind of lumped it up to under this term and there's no fix for it. Mm -hmm. It's just, this is what happened to cats, and that's just life, right? And it most it mostly happens to male cats. Mm -hmm. And normally when it happens to male cats, it tends to be really serious because they have a very narrow urinary tract, which when they have this type of disease, their, their urinary tract becomes really tight that they're not able to pee, and that could lead to, like, serious health issues and like surgery is required to fix it and often surgery does not fix the problem right and it leads to death and they said any cat that have this type of disease the average lifespan is four years old so <laughs> it's a race against time yeah so they and it it's very rare for it to happen to female cats. And um, they said that since Keithan's condition, based on what we told them, it's the only thing that they could narrow it, narrow it down to. But since it's so rare at the same time that she's a female, that they don't even know, mm -hmm. right? So as of right now, this is what they're calling it. And they, that's what they're going to treat it for or mm -hmm. that's what they're going to treat her for is this but technically there's no treatment for it it's just treating the symptoms not the disease yeah so treating it the symptoms in a way where she's more comfortable she's more relaxed she's not current constantly irritated and then hopefully that will give her body enough time to heal its uh her urinary tract and that then hopefully she'll be fine again but we don't know and how are they treating it prozac so well not just prozac right? it's not prozac but when, when we say prozac we think of like it's an antidepressant for especially for humans an antidepressant but for cats it's um an anti-neurosis it's an anti-neurosis <laughs> it's something to calm them down so that they're not always anxious mm -hmm. and stressed out and by them being calm and not stressed it then puts less stress on their organs pretty much and hopefully they say that after a few months of being on Prozac, it will maybe let her heal her, her own body. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at. And she's also given painkillers mm -hmm. because at one point she was growling a lot at herself. <laughs> yeah. Like, because no. she's in pain. Yeah, she doesn't know what's causing the pain. She thinks it's nearby, so she growls and hisses. Yeah. And there's nothing there. 
Um, yeah. Which you can tell, like, the cat is not comfortable, is in pain. The fact that she was bending over to lick so much mm-hmm. was, like, very concerning. Um, so I think the painkillers did help get over that hump of, like, just constant neurosis yeah. from that point of view. And then the Prozac is just another way of, like, preventing it from getting so bad that she's irritating herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when we got home, I looked up what the term F-L-U-T-D is, which would they also call it flued? Flued. Flued. Whenever you said flued, I instantly went to uh, Super Mario Sunshine, and he has, like, this jet-powered water backpack, and it's called Flood. Oh, or really? flute or something. Sure. So that's what I thought of every so, time. So I looked it up, and and they kind of show like the like the trigger or like what cons what categorize a cat to be diagnosed with this. And Keithan like checked like all the boxes. All the boxes. So like it's normally for cats that are overweight. Uh, not all the boxes. The one of the boxes is that she, mm-hmm. it's a male cat and mm-hmm. she does not check that box, but she is overweight. She's not obese. She's just slightly overweight. Um, not enough exercise. Um, indoor. She's an indoor cat. Um, so yeah, like she checked all those boxes, and they said normally indoor cats. This happens a lot to indoor cats. I don't know why because they're they're not what able to move often. I don't. Yeah, know. probably the lack of exercise. Yeah. So. So, yeah, exercise your cat. Uh, <laughs> it's an impossible goal. Uh, but, yeah, so so far we got we we have her on that. And then a, it's been... it was a few days and it was going well. Like she was not no longer neurotically licking. Uh, she was still having like accidents. Yeah, where um, she's squirting around the house. Yeah, but it was much less common. It wasn't like 50 times within an hour. Mm-hmm. It was just a few times throughout the day, mm-hmm. uh, which was already like a big relaxation for us. Uh-huh. And one more thing I noticed is that she's not jumping into the litter box as often. Nor some before we started the medication, she would go in the litter box, squat, and, nothing, jumped back out. Yeah, she's trying to pee, and then circle around, jump back into the litter box, squat, nothing comes out, and then she would do this a few times within like a minute, just trying to like pee, but nothing. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what irritates her is because she's trying to pee. And when she was uh, wasn't on the medication, she would do this cycle of going in the box like dozens of times, and then ultimately end up peeing outside because mm-hmm. she like sat down, something pushed on her bladder, and then therefore, yeah, it actually went out. Um, so let's put a pause there to Keaton. So meanwhile, the, all this was happening. Uh, we finally caught. Uh, the other troublemaker, Sesame, in the process of peeing. peeing. Not in the litter box, but in a whole bunch of different locations yeah, around, the house. around the house. And these were always full bladder like peas. Like a and, big puddle. And, and we, we always assumed it was Keitha. Yeah, we were blaming Keitha and we were constantly telling Keitha and like, no, no, like pointing to the spot and say no. Mm-hmm. But we didn't realize it wasn't Keitha until recently because mm-hmm. we caught Sesame doing it. Yeah, the little, the little yeah. munchkin sat on the couch and then just started squatting and peeing right in front of us. And we're yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so we we caught that behavior like a few times because you have to, she only pees like twice a day. Normally, So it's like yeah. tough to catch. And when we do catch it, like we have to grab her by the scruff and like bring her over to a litter box. 
Um, that's the only way to correct this. You can't and she's yell at the feisty cat. One. You have to like redirect uh, as much as possible. You have to make them feel like the litter box is a fun place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime they do use the litter box, to reward them for doing it. Mm-hmm. And I would say that we have semi like knock on wood. That's plastic. That's no, oh, that's wood underneath. Uh, it's particle board. <laughs> close enough. Here's a piece of wood. Um, we have semi corrected the issue, but not on like that alone, right? So we were able to catch Sesame doing it. We were able to f- catch the few times that she went to the litter box and reward her for using the litter box. Um, but we also took her took them both into the vet to get their just regular the vaccines shots yeah uh and as a result we got sesame on prozac as well <laughs> uh because that was like she had a, a whole different set of neurosis every time Geetan would like walk up she smelled like the vet i guess and sesame was like i don't know who you are and yeah. tap 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 on the face she's and been attacking walk Keaton. away and Geetan's just like chill like i don't know what just happened because she's on prozac yeah um and so sesame we also got her on prozac combined with us like trying to encourage her to use the litter box uh again i think once again why you're so superstitious like (laughs) well uh i'm doing it for the sound effect it's fun for a podcast um we're doing all the right thing, but yeah. some, at times you do wonder, like, did I not do enough? Should I have started the Prozac earlier? But anyway, like, we put Sesame on Prozac. It's only been three days. This is, today is her third day on it, and already she's a lot calmer. She's not. She's not mean towards her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, they're they're a little nicer to each other. Yeah. Now... You might think that, oh, maybe the Prozac is going to, like, change their personalities. And, That's what I was worried about. And, like, change who they are. And, well, for the most part, they behave the same. They're a lot more relaxed. They sleep a lot more. Uh, they behave the same. Like, they have the same tics. Yeah, uh, they still have fun. They still play. Yeah, if you play with them, they're more than alert mm-hmm. for playing. It's just the sight of their sister does no longer pisses them off, <laughs> which is uh, good from my point of view. Uh, and we were trying to do that with the the pheromone things that you can plug into the yeah. wall. Um, which, I don't think that did anything. Yeah, I think our house might be too too aired out, so it's like not concentrated enough, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but the Prozac seems to seems to have uh, tremendous help. Tremendously helped. Um, and at the same time, Keaton was given a different medication as well to open up her urethra. Yeah. To make it easier for her to pee because. Even though she was on on the Prozac and on the painkiller, she was still having trouble. Like she's not able unloading. Yeah, Yeah, she wasn't able to have a full uh, full pee session in the litter box. She was just like peeing a little bit, um, and then still having accidents. And ever since she's on this new thing that allows her urethra to open up, and she's been on it for two days, three days now. Yeah, she's been able to have a full pee. Yeah, um, and therefore there's much fewer accidents. She's not leaking while she's just sitting on the couch, um, and that that has been a, a good benefit, I would say. Yeah, and Sesame is peeing and pooping normally as well in the litter box. In again. the litter box, and the reason why we know. It's sesame in the litter box up until now is there's a a huge section that is wet mm-hmm. versus whenever Keaton pees it it's a like a droplet. Thing, yeah. 
But I noticed earlier today because the problem with Sesame is we were worried that she wouldn't she she stopped using the litter box and she would use the house instead anywhere she can show use it. Mm-hmm. And there were like set places. So what we did, you know, those little trees that you can hang in in cars, those air fresheners. The little air fresheners. First, we went to stores trying to find these, and apparently they're hard to find nowadays. There's only the little those ones you gel can, ones. the gel ones you can put on the vents, uh, and there's no more of the no more of the the mirror ones that you can just hang. Um, but thankfully, it's a new generation. It's right? a new generation. But <laughs> we were able to find a whole pack of them on Amazon, and specifically, we went for citrus flavor, which we know cats hate. They yeah, hate they the hate, citrus smell. They hate citrus, um, peppermint, lavender. Yeah, so we tried like lavender sprays, mm-hmm. uh, but they mostly just irritated us. The cats didn't really care too much. Uh, but these things, they like emanate like pure saturated oh, stuff. Oh, they're very concentrated. So we basically put one everywhere where sesame was often peeing, which was like very specific spots in the house. Um, and by doing this, we were able to kind of shoo her away from those places because she did not like the smell of it at all um and was more encouraged to use a litter box which once we were able to catch we can give her the treat and therefore mm-hmm. she would like as- uh associate litter box peeing with as good peeing and peeing outside the litter box is bad but also the pros that calmed her down so she's not as neurotic which then like probably makes her think straight yeah you know so she's actually using the litter box now. Mm-hmm. And this morning I caught Keithan using the litter box as well. And she had a fairly large amount of pee. Mm-hmm. Which is really happy considering we are For months she was not doing that. At all. For yeah. months she was not peeing at all. And it's really relieved to know that because she's only been on Prozac for like a, mo- a week and a half. And already we're seeing such good like results, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say for the past like two to three weeks, we really trained Keithan to go to the litter box well. She does. Because every time she would like do even the smallest amount, we would give her a treat. And therefore, she was trying her best to like use the litter box as often as she could. Um, And we would, of course, not give her a treat if she wasn't able to use it. Um, But if she goes inside the litter box, we do give her treat though. mm -hmm. It's just to like let her know that this is the location. Yeah. And that really does work. I mean, Keitan has been doing, like, anytime she feels a little bit irritated, now she goes to the litter box uh, right away. Uh, and then combined with this new medication, she's able to actually pee, which hopefully will combine with everything else relaxing, not having a constant full bladder, not having irritation there um, to finally heal whatever is is irritating her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we were worried about putting them on Prozac because Keithan only just started Prozac about a week or so ago, but our vet had recommended that from the very beginning, like a few months ago. And now that we saw how Prozac is actually working and that she, her behavior, her personality wasn't affected as much... Like, I, I was thinking, like, maybe we should have done that from the beginning. Then it probably wouldn't have gone to this mm-hmm. bad, you know? But that said, we were scared. Yeah. And and a good, a good tool to have in your mental toolbox is try not to dwell on, like, past mistakes. Mm-hmm. Try to think about what you can do better next time. Yeah. Because the past is the past. Like, you can blame it, but you can't change it. No, I'm not dwelling no, on no, no. it. I'm, I was I'm, just like I know, but wondering. You, it does worry you, right? 
Yeah, it so did you, because I found out that mm-hmm. cats with this type of disease only live for four years, and I'm like, Keaton's three years old. Mm-hmm. And sure, we only now just notice it, but it could have been an underlining problem that she had her whole life that we never noticed, right? So, which makes me worry. Like, I don't want to lose her, mm-hmm. you know. So, and I asked our doctor before we put sesame on Prozac. Like, is it okay? Can I stop it as soon as the behavior stops, or is it something that I have to lean off of slowly so that she's not having too much of a difference in, you know, having the medication in her, and then all of a sudden like cold turkey, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, technically, like cats are neurotic animals to begin with like you can pretty much have them on prozac their entire life or long term and it would not be a problem Mm -hmm. and he would recommend having her on it for at least two to three months Mm -hmm. so i mean he thinks it's not a problem at all so yeah i would say at this point what we're aiming for is with all the medication, get the ping situation completely For under control. For uh, And Sesame no longer peeing around the house. And then once that's completely good, then we recalculate and see, okay, do we lean off of these medications little by little? Um, just so that way she can not need to, to fight us putting medication in her mouth or trying to trick her into eating it via mm-hmm. treats and stuff. Yeah. So far, I mean, it's okay. I did have a little bit of a hard time this morning with Keaton giving her medication because they're tablets and some tablets are bigger than others and putting them in the little tree isn't always working. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to give her like like about five pieces of treats before <laughs> I realized, okay, this is really not working. So what I ended up doing was I scooped out a, just a little bit of cat food this morning because it was feeding time anyway. So I scooped out a little bit of wet food and then put the pill right in the middle. I broke the pill in half so it's not so big. Put it right in the middle of her food bowl. Make sure she eats it before I give her the rest of her morning food. Mm-hmm. And she did end up eating it that way. Yeah. Because it got to the point where the pill went in her mouth, fell back out, it got all wet... And, and then, of course, like but at that point, the surface of the pill has already diluted, so it probably does not taste good. So I I mix it in with her food a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sesame didn't like it, so sesame is a little bit trickier. Yeah. I have to take treats, crumble it up in little bits and pieces, because there's no... I have a, a special type of treat where it's like a gummy... And there's a hole in the middle of that gummy and you put the pill in that gummy and you squish that, you seal off the top of that gummy and then you let them eat it. But Sesame does not like that treat at all. It's too big. No, it's not too big. She doesn't like the smell of that tree so she won't even attempt to eat it. So then I have to take uh, another type of treat that we have that's sort of like compressed but it's a little bit like, kind of like a, it's not hard. But it's still soft. Mm-hmm. So I broke it up in little bits and pieces, put the pill somewhere among that clustered of treats, and then hopefully she just licks it up, and she did. So it's been three days, and that's been working. So hopefully she doesn't catch on too quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the update on our little munchkins. Hopefully we're we're nearing the finish line. Uh, hmm. They still have two months to go. 
or another month and a half before we can say before the next evaluation. Mm-hmm. I, I am like very glad that every time we come back to the house from like shopping or whatever, it no longer just reeks of, of cat's pee. pee. Um, <laughs> that is like such a such a good thing. Yeah. That I never knew that. Or, or I would, waking like, up every morning because the thing you dread the most is waking up is you walk out to the living room and you have room, to start cleaning. And the entire living room, the entire house just smells like pee. Mm-hmm. But the past week or so, it it's has been, not. Yeah. There's like one or two spots where they had an accident, but that's it, which is such a difference. And it's normally sesame peeing a big amount that is the 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 smell that like fermented overnight, but she hasn't been doing that either. So, Mm -hmm. yep. So wish us luck. (laughs) Uh, If you have cats, maybe consider asking your doctor to put them on Prozac if that's what. It's going to help, you know? Yeah. And there's no harm, apparently. Or the, the, the benefits to the the harm, I guess, outweighs it. Yeah. And there are certain things to look out for, like, of side effects and stuff. Yeah, we're not doctors. Yeah, there are side effects. Yeah. But, like, so, so. far, it's been pretty positive with us. So. Mm-hmm. And we've been going with a fairly low dose. It's not, like, mm-hmm. a whole bunch all at once. Yeah. So, take care of your munchkins. Bye, everyone. Bye.